0: good morning it's jake Busey here identity and the frighteners both amazing movies so glad i got to be a part of them yeah those those were a lot of fun those were great movies to be on identity was a hard one to film it was very it was dark the the mood was dark ray liotta and john Cusack, and i think their energy was like so heavy like negative, it was it was really a wide vibe to walk into. A lot of other people were really cool though and fun, like John C. McKinley and John Hawks, who's an old buddy of mine, and Rebecca De Mornay and Amanda Peet. They're you know, they were great. And um, yeah, that movie Jim and Gold, he and his wife, you know, they make these amazing movies. And I'm glad I get to be in that one. And I'm off to work on another scary movie called Scalper right now. And, And one last thing. Don't go out there.
1: In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world welcome to the don't
2: go out there horror movie podcast
1: welcome back everybody to the don't go out there horror movie review podcast just want to thank all our fans and listeners really appreciate all support you guys are awesome before we get into tonight's blood donor review i just want to give a quick shout out to our website don't go out there.com everything about our podcast is on our website uh All of our episodes and interviews from episode one to our weekly releases there. Check that out. We've done some incredible interviews. It's a lot easier to find them on our website than instead of going to Apple or Spotify. We also have our store. We have some new t-shirts out. We have Shan's Etsy page attached. Uh, Rep your favorite podcast. You know, we'd love to see you rep our merch. It's awesome. We also have all of our social media links. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Like us, subscribe us, follow us, all that good stuff. We love interacting with our fans. We truly appreciate meeting new people who love our podcast. So It means a lot to us. And before we get into the film review, I just want to give a quick shout out to our blood donors. It's our Patreon. You know, we're doing a blood donor review tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we have the traditional monthly recurring kind. You know, you want to support us, help us out. It takes a big burden off us. It does go into our pockets. It just goes directly back into the podcast. If you're a big fan of a movie. You want us to review it. We also have one-time donations available as well. Tonight we're doing Christian Cunningham's review of Identity. Uh, Brian, do you want to give your initial thoughts on it before I go? Uh, Yeah, Uh, so
3: this was kind of a tricky one for me. You know, I would say I liked it more than I didn't, uh, but I didn't love it. You know, I I think it's a well-made movie all around. You know, James Mangold, like Logan is my favorite movie of his, his, he's done. Uh, He did a great job shooting it. Cast is amazing. Honestly, I'm not real sure how I missed this when it first came out. You know, after the uh after the whole nine yards came out, I had a I had a big thing for Amanda Pete. So I tried to catch everything she was in, but so I don't know though. I don't know. This one just fell through the cracks. Um my only issue is after the first hour when when the stuff starts kind of being revealed, it's where it kinda of falls off for me some. You know, it felt felt like it tried to be too clever almost for me. Um you know, the first half reminds me a lot of House on a Haunted Hill, as far as the main plot goes, with the group of strangers coming together and start getting picked off. I mean, there are obviously a lot of movies that follow that formula. Um, it also gives a lot of Hitchcock vibes to me. And and the second half reminds me a lot of Split as well, just kind of not as not as enjoyable to me. Um, it had a lot of nitpicks, logical issues throughout. Now, in a sense, you could probably explain most of those logical issues away, since this is all essentially in his head anyway, but... I just found myself, you know, enjoying the first half better before it tried to be overly smart as all. Again, enjoyable movie though. I thought uh, I'm not sure of this, but I probably like it most of the guy or or like it more than most of the guys here. But I don't know, it's not great. It does have fantastic runtime and a high body count though. All
1: right, I'll go next. Uh I feel like this is like the third week in a row and I apologize to blood donor Christian Cunningham for saying this, but I really don't have strong feelings about this movie. Like it just really didn't do much for me. I thought the cast is great. Ray Liotta, uh, John Cusack. uh, I think your name is Cleo Duvall from the faculty. Uh, You know, really fun cast, but just didn't have a much of an impact on me. I didn't really love the twist at the end with the kid killing, you know, Paris at the end. Didn't really do much for me, but there's just movies that have like the split personality thing that I like better, like secret window, I like that movie way better than this one personally. Uh, so I'll just leave it at, I didn't love this movie by any means, but I didn't hate it either. Just no strong feelings either way, honestly. Uh, Mike, you want to go next?
4: Yeah, sure. So this movie has a fantastic cast. I mean, just if you've never seen the movie, John Cusack, Ray Liotta, Amanda Peet, uh, John MacLinley, uh Jay Busey, down on the line, man, this movie's got a really cool cast. Um, I think this movie is good it's not great. It suffers a little bit um, in the middle where I, I feel like we kind of dragged the story out just a smidge, but I do think the re see for me, I think the reveal at the very end ends up being the kid works. Um, but they kind of let you know it's all in someone's head very early on. You're just trying to figure out who's who and what's what. So like, I think giving away that part of the movie early on is a very different approach and I appreciate that. But there are some cases where I wish I would not have known that going in. Like, I feel like that would have been better served just being a twist that we get towards the end as well. Um, But again, I can't take away the acting performances from all involved. I think they're great. Um, I think this, like the sound, like not the sound, but the setting is great. All the rain they use this old motel. It kind of looks like Bates motel in a way. Or you know the one from Vacancy. Like I think there's like some really good shots here with all of that. So I love the set design that they use in this movie, and it pretty much is all in one location. Like outside of the stuff you get in the road uh, early on in the movie. Like I think I think it's you know all one location, and I like that about a movie. Great runtime. So all in all, the movie is good. I, it's not great, but I do think it's very enjoyable. And you know, like you said, high body count, and I'm bringing it out, baby bringing out the big guns I'm doing it I'm bringing it back just because Brian made fun of me for my catchphrase I'm bringing it back baby Amanda Pete call me sometime. let's do this oh for it's Pete's back. sake you're a married we're man. Back.
2: <laughs> um, yeah how long this were you was- sitting on Pete's sake come on though. oh dude I've been trying to figure out a way to work it in since we started this episode thank you for that Um. This movie does have a great cast though jokes aside i mean amanda pete john, john cusack ray liotta uh, john hawks who i think's underrated i, I love him and like everything he's in shout out to rush hour i know nico and i love that trilogy um john c mcginley does he plays the dork character so well and this is actually the third movie of his that we've covered uh he was in belco and uh what else is he in anyway I, i've got it in my notes later but the cast isn't the issue that I have with it. Oh, he was in 7 as well. But um, the cast isn't the issue that I have. I didn't enjoy this mo- movie as much as I'd hoped for other reasons. Now, this movie, I missed it as well. Um, I understand why I missed it. I mean, this movie came out towards the end of my freshman year of high school. So uh, April of 2003, a lot of things were going on. You know, I didn't catch every movie as they came out at that time. But I never watched it throughout the years to be honest with you I'd never heard of it Um, which is shocking considering this cast but um to me and I texted Brian this to me this movie is like when you're like hey I want McDonald's we got McDonald's at home and this is the McDonald's at home the analogy I used was oh I want Shutter Island oh we have Shutter Island at home and this is the Shutter Island at home or it's like you order Shutter Island off wish.com it's just not as good and I understand Shutter Island came out after this movie But as far as um, the twist and how they build it, I felt like they were very similar in how they were painting the uh, split personality disorder um, and and the the crimes that the person committed and everything just felt similar, but just not executed as well. Um, Nico said it best when he said, like, (laughs) it just felt something felt off about it. It didn't hit like it should have. And I completely agree. Um, Now, that's not to say that there's not some really cool things about the movie. There are. And I I didn't hate it at all, but I definitely, like you said, Brian, I enjoyed the first half of the movie much more than the second half. Once the twist was apparent, I kind of was like, Twist "Ah." his (laughs) dick! Yes, once the dick was twisted, I kind of lost interest. Um, Not not really lost interest, but I just kind of was put off by it um, just because of the execution. I think there's a great story here. And honestly, a remake or you know a similar a, you know, a similar story could be better done with uh, some some tweaks. But yeah, anyway, didn't hate it, didn't love it, just kind of kind of in the middle. Dustin,
4: Secret Window came out in two thousand and four, which is a year after this movie. Are you trying to tell me the creators yeah. of Identity could go up? To the people that created Secret Window and say you stole my story. Oh, sorry, had to do it. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Since we're- Man, Secret Window is not- a
2: great movie. I'm going to pick it uh, one day, but
4: I've been waiting on that, pal. That was
2: good,
1: but
4: yeah, I was letting you um, pick I'm- it because could- it's Johnny Depp. You know. Yeah, you know.
1: All right, guys. Any more thoughts? We just jump into the scene by scene. All right, here we go. The film starts with Malcolm Rivers' voice on a tape. Opening credits roll as he's being interrogated by the police as evidence around his case is investigated by Dr. Mallet, He looks up on Malcolm's p- past, asks of how his mother treated him. He's asked if he remembers the murders as we see pictures of dead women. A phone rings, the voice asks Gary if he's awake. A midnight hearing for the Rivers case. The defense is arguing insanity the night before his execution. We see a motel and it's raining like crazy. Larry watches Wheel of Fortune as he drinks up the Southern Comfort. A car backs up to the place and a man walks in with a woman bleeding. We're in the car with George, Alice, and Timmy before they blow a tire out. George gets the car pulled over cautiously. He exits the car and sees it was on a high heel shoe that blew the tire. Now we're in the car with Paris who flashes back to her in bed with a man tied up in bed with a birthday cake on his chest. She opens her luggage and clothes and shoes fly out onto the road. We see George and Alice changing the tire and Timmy knocks on the glass and presses hands with his mom against the glass. Suddenly, she's hit by a car passing by. George is in shock and runs to his wife, who is bleeding from the neck. We now see Caroline on the phone with her agent as Ed drives her around. She asks him to look through her bag for a spare phone battery, and she snaps on him when he can't find it. The two are in disbelief when they realize they hit the woman. She says, you assume responsibility if you help. Ed gets a towel for her neck, and Caroline refuses to open the door and give him the phone. Paris makes it to a washout in the road and backs up into a pole messing up the transformer. George carries his wife into the hotel lobby and asks Larry to call for help, but the phones are out. He says there's a hospital 30 miles east. Ed unpacks Caroline's luggage and snatches her out and takes off in the limo as she continues to bitch. Paris's car breaks down as she flags down Ed and bums a ride. She warns him of the washed out road, but she, has, she says he has to try. Larry gets money from Caroline and a copy of her ID asking if she used to be that actress. She offers more money and says she wants the nicest room. We now see the limo stuck as it's fallen into the runoff. Ed asks Jenny and Lou if they have a cell phone. There's been an accident. Ed asks for a ride. Lou tells Jenny to pop the trunk and let them in. Lou now stares at Paris, checking her out. They're back to the motel and Ed tells Larry the roads are fucked up both directions. Paris is now harassed by Larry for being a hooker. He says he doesn't like looking at trash. George is nursing Alice as Ed says they're stuck here tonight. Ed asks if she has a sewing kit. Paris goes to her room as Lou and Jenny make it to their room. Ed looks through a desk as he sees a car pull up. Jenny asks Lou if he felt that cold. Officer Rhodes exits the car and asks Larry if he's the manager. He asks for a favor with a room. He's transporting a criminal. Ed asks Rhodes if the car has a radio. They need an ambulance. Ed asks Rhodes for help after he gets the criminal situated. Rhodes realizes his car is out of gas. The criminal says he's fucked. Alright, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes I got. What'd you think?
3: Uh, first off, what an amazing opening credits with uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince reading the poem. Look, it's creepy as hell. I think, and I think it's right up there with John Larroquette doing the Texas Chainsaw opening voiceover to me. Uh, I think Vince does a, a such a freaking just good job in all of his scenes as Malcolm. Uh, Dustin brought up his run of movies that we're on, so you know he's definitely a show alumnus. Uh, a few other alumni, friend of the show, Jake Busey. Thanks for doing the show intro, by the way. Um, In his second appearance with Starship Troopers being the other one definitely won't be his last either. He's got like a billion more movies that he's in. Um, John C. McGinley, we brought him up. I know this is at least his second appearance, you know, with going uncredited on seven. Clay Duvall from the amazing faculty movie. Even Holmes Osborne from Donnie Darko. And not a show alone, but I got to bring up Alfred Molina here, Doc Octavius himself. Only Dustin will get that reference. (laughs) And, uh, you know, right off the bat, I want to give James Mangold and and the man, the main cinematographer, uh, feed in Papa Michael, uh, their due. This movie is shot and cut beautifully, I think. Uh, Papa Michael has done Mangold's Walk the Line, Ford versus Ferrari, 310 to Yuma. Um, So, you know, they're definitely a a director cinematographer uh, combo that sticks together there for sure. Um, You know, a fun fact right off the bat about this set of scenes, the naked businessman Paris tied to the bed at the beginning of the movie is uh, one of Malcolm's identities, apparently. He's also the agent Caroline Suzanne is speaking to on the phone. Uh, He was pinned as the first identity in the movie to die but the scenes were shaved from the movie. So that's a little kind of behind the scenes there, tidbit that that's pretty good there. Um Alice getting hit by the bus. Holy shit. Like that was fucking amazing out of nowhere. Final destination type style there Um also, but I don't know why is Paris driving in the rain with the top down by the
2: way. Yep, the thank you.
3: I- I'm sure it has some deeper meaning, you know, with all this being in his head, but again, One of those things that don't make sense to me logically, and I didn't really care enough to really dive that much into it, but it stood out to me, like I said, as not making logical sense, which, you know, there's a bunch of that throughout the movie in here, and I'll I'll point it out, but again, a lot of it's explained away with being in his head. Lastly, you know, just this is probably my favorite group of scenes, um, seeing how all these storylines kind of merge together to bring everyone here, um, and knowing what we know at the end upon rewatch, it makes all of these characters and their traits make a little bit more sense too um whenever you're watching it again. At this point, I love this movie. I'm hooked. Yeah, I
4: was gonna say, man, this opening set of scenes is
3: like a big, big old fish hook. Some
4: Nico Kim relates to. This, this movie really kind of draws me out to pull me in here in the beginning, man. I love this setup that the everything with the rain and on the road and you've got this guy changing attire and you're kind of wondering, man, what is this movie? And you got this snobby actress and and John Q driving a little, like, it's, it's it's all very out of place for some reason. And I get a very uneasy feeling watching it. I'm like, what is, there's something off here. Like, it doesn't feel like real people interacting. And I don't think that's the benefit of hindsight. Like, even the first time I watched this movie, I was like, this movie kind of feels like a movie within a movie. It, just because of the cast and everything else, I, I, like, recognize them from other places. So just, like, a weird feeling that I get watching the movie and they show – you know the wife being run over from multiple angles and i thought that was a nice touch too and and they kind of clearly define who's good and who's bad here at least to me and you know at least with these characters um you know the actress kind of a snobby ass and, and and you know everyone else is pretty much trying to do the right thing after after uh she gets run over there so i really love how the rain is almost its own character in this movie um Especially here in this opening set of scenes where, you know, Paris is driving. She has to turn around because there's, you know, the street is flooded. They drive, everyone drives right up to it and it's flooded. So everyone ends up at this motel together. And I like how it all ties in. They're all from different angles, but it all ties in. But you're not quite sure how it all ties in. You're not quite sure why they're all there. And yeah, they kind of give away a little bit at the beginning what is going on here. Like yeah clearly it's all in his head but you kind of want to know what's in his head is this what they're talking about or are they just is this going to connect to the beginning somehow so they do a really good job of laying groundwork and, and asking questions and not just answering everything right away so i like these characters um every time we watch one of these movies by the way and there's a desk manager from a shitty hotel immediately suspect bad things and I know he ended up being okay, but I'm just saying, like, that's my like that's a trope in my head. This shitty hotel desk manager, probably gonna be a creep. Um, uh, so uh yeah, look, I really like this, set, and I like John Cusack's character here. You know, I him kind of almost being it was a, maybe it wasn't on purpose, but like a little bit of a red herring as far as like someone who could turn heel. Like he's playing Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Former Cop. You know, he's he's uh looking after this woman trying to sew her neck together like i think my red flag went off like this guy's too nice something's off here i don't like that he's so nice but you know also well that ends well but yeah really good set of scenes really enjoyed it um it got me right away and the first i watched this probably I'm trying to i know i watched it because somebody told me about it when i was like 17 18 like oh by the way your hometown or your yeah, your home county's in this movie. They talk about later the movie, so I'll wait. But, like, you got to see it. You got to watch the whole thing. So I did. But that's the only other time I've seen it other than getting ready for this uh, film review. So love it so far. I'm all the way in. None of the problems that I do have have, have, have risen yet.
2: Yeah, I've got more notes on the first, you know, these set of scenes than anything in the rest of the movie because so much is thrown at us. Um, now, when you watch it the second time, All the groundwork of the movie, the entire plot of the movie is laid out in that opening montage in the the opening credits and title card scene Um, from the poem he wrote read about. He met a man who wasn't there, Um, the abandoned uh, hotel motel, the dislike for horrors, the May 10th birthday, etc. Like everything is laid out right there. Now, we've already mentioned the great cast um, and it is a great cast, but it feels like a bit of a jumbled mess how we get introduced to all these characters and all their backstories. It's like, we're just hopping around. Here's a few seconds of this person. Here's a few seconds of this person. Hey, look at this guy over here. And it's just, we didn't really even need it to be honest with you other than Amanda Pete's character, because like you said, Brian, the scene that they show with her and the guy that's tied up that, uh, met his demise. That was apparently one of the personalities we couldn't find out. But everything else, we honestly didn't need. Like a storm is plausible enough reason for them all to be stranded at a hotel. And um, I liked it though. It it really bothered me also that she was hauling ass um, in the rain with her top down. But okay. Anyway, and then another thing. Like I get that this didn't really happen. All this is taking place in his head or whatever. But the mom, um, you're telling me that she wouldn't have seen Alice uh, York that's her name she wouldn't have seen the headlights from that car or heard the car flying at her like that car just came out of nowhere it's like a silent um silent automobile with no headlights <clears throat> so it makes her getting hit by that car a little bit questionable but again like I said all of it and or like you said rather all of this can be explained because none of it really happens all taking place in the head so it's kind of a cop-out because any plot holes you can just chalk it up as that because, you know, you don't think of every little detail when you're imagining stuff in your head anyway. But, I, you know, if you're wanting it to be believable and throw you off, then you should fill those potholes in. Um, and then we see George walking into the motel twice. That was weird to me. Like, they showed him opening the door. There's so much blood, she won't stop bleeding. And then we see her get hit by the car. Like, that was weird and oddly unnecessary like it it only took up about 15 seconds so it's not a big deal but why even do that it didn't do serve any purpose um <clears throat> another huge huge issue i have with this movie is that alice got hit by a car that was haul assing through the rain and the only real injury that she had was a slice on her neck Like no broken bones <clears throat> no uh You know, there was a lot of blood, but it appeared to all have come from a slice on her neck. And her neck didn't even get, you know, hit the car. So that was weird. Um, And then another, I texted you guys this. Something that really bothered me was how Larry just would not let it go that, um, that Paris was allegedly a whore. Like, is she a hooker? That's fine if she is. There's just zero reason for him to immediately jump to that conclusion as soon as she walked in the door. And it honestly was annoying at how much they pushed that angle. Like knowing the twist, what the twist is and what we heard at the beginning. I get it. Like I get why hookers are such a big deal and why that part of his personality has such right. disdain for him. But still like you should have exaggerated her character more than we, then we got, like she was just dressed like a young girl. There was nothing about her that seemed that screamed hooker to me, <clears throat> I guess, unless a girl traveling in that part of the country at that time of night alone is hooker behavior. I don't know. But um, and then also, I don't like how Jenny asked Lou if he felt the cold. It's like, oh, did you feel that? It's cold. It's like you're just trying to throw us off the scent of what's going on here, trying to throw hints of this supernatural storyline at us. This is unnecessary. And her character was annoying as shit anyway. But um, or that part of that personality was annoying as shit, but that was just a, a nitpick that bothered me. I don't know why, but it's just you, you didn't need that. There's nothing supernatural going on in this film. You don't need to hint that it could be a possibility. And then last thing I have is that <clears throat> I do like the Rhodes edition because like how he was introduced to us. Everyone else was just thrown at us at once and then you waited. It was very deliberate when Lodes, uh, Rhodes was shown to us. Um, but also the fact that in the open or during this set of scenes we get the flashback to the real life judge and we hear that there's a prisoner being transported for an emergency hearing and then along comes rhodes i like that like that's throwing us off that's that's saying hey this is probably the guy that's on his way to this hearing and um which it is but not how we think at the time so i like how that's done um but overall it's just it's a confusing set of scenes for me because Very well done, very well shot. Um, I like the lack of score. I like the, the acting, the lighting. Everything is great. It's just a bit of a jumbled mess.
1: All right. Ed is sewing up the wound, and Larry says he's going to go get the officer situated. George sits beside his wife, and Ed asks if his son is all right. He hasn't said much. George says he's the stepfather. Two years ago, the father left. Timmy watches the prisoner being escorted to their room. Rhodes handcuffs Robert to the toilet. Rhodes goes to the room and tells Ed it's a good stitch job. Rhodes walks up to on Paris stealing from a vending machine. Are you going to arrest me, officer? He makes small talk, fluttering with her and offers to cook for her, and she asks for change for a dollar. He asks her name and she shoots him down, walking away. Back to the room and George is begging Alice to be strong. Ed walks out and takes some meds. Larry is scummaging around hiding things in the office. Paris reveals a briefcase full of money. We see Rhodes' shirt is bloody underneath his jacket. Caroline answers her phone and goes outside to get a better signal. She snatches the shower curtain to walk around until she finally gets a bar. Her call drops and she hears a creaking noise. She's attacked from behind as she screams. Ed wakes up and goes outside. He finds a shower shower ring and follows a trail of them. He goes into the laundry room and checks two machines as he hears a thudding noise. He checks the third one and finds Caroline's head in it. Larry and Rhodes walk in and they see the head. Ed reveals he used to be a cop and Rhodes finds a number number 10 room key and Ed asks where's his guy. They go to Rhodes' room and find the criminal has gotten free. We're now at the table with Dr. Malik, the attorney and the judge and other court officials. The attorney says they should wait until his client arrives. The judge dismisses his mental state. You think I got time for bullshit, he asks. All the people in a room and Ed says there was an incident. He says Caroline is dead. They can't find the body. As long as we stay calm, we'll be fine. Chaos ensues when they reveal the criminal has escaped. Jenny goes to escape, but walks into Rhodes. Paris says she's not staying here with Larry. Ed begs Paris to just stay as Rhodes and Ed leave the room. Rhodes tells Ed the criminal was guilty of multiple homicides. Lou asks Paris if she lives in Las Vegas. Not anymore. Rhodes and Ed continue to look for Robert. Larry is in a room now going through someone's luggage. Lou says he and Jenny have been married for nine hours. Jenny runs out of the room and back to their room. Lou says we are not leaving. It's flooding. She reveals that she is not pregnant. She and Lou begin to argue and she locks herself in the bathroom. He pounds the door and yells to open the door. Lou asks someone what are you doing here and he pounds the door calling her name to open it. Suddenly he stops. Jenny opens the door and a shadow with an axe walks towards her. She locks the door and jumps out the window and into Rhodes. Rhodes runs into the room and they find Lou dead. All right, Brian, that's the next set. of soon as we got, what'd you think?
3: Um, At the very start of this, great practical effects on sewing up Alice and, and really all throughout this movie here. You know, 2003 was one of those weird years. It's kind of a weird time period where movies tried to use too much CG and it turned out, you know, not holding up good over the years. So in a movie of this time period, it kind of uses practical effects. I love it. Um, shout out to the legend, Greg Nicotero, his team. Um, if you are living over to rock. And his name sounds familiar. He's known for Walking Dead. ton of other movies. I'd be here all night if I named them. Um, he's a Tom Savini protege. As far as the movies we've reviewed that he's worked on, um, I mentioned him in Jennifer's Body, Oh Six 6 Chainsaw, Hostel, O5's Amityville Horror, 13 Ghosts, The Faculty, Scream 1, Scream 2, Dust Till Dawn, New Nightmare, and Misery. And so, uh, you know, it... it and we will do at least 20 more of his movies so get used to hearing his name um i was a fan of seeing caroline go here like she was my least favorite character you know no offense to rebecca rebecca de Mornay. you know i just i just don't think she had a lot to work with you know talking to herself the whole the whole the whole thing just you know she instantly got on my nerves um i wish we would have gotten a better look at the kill though um, and I'm sorry, no way Ed is doing that sort of investigation in the rain, just like walking around finding shower hangers, peeping folks' laundry. I mean, nowhere, no way he would care that much. But again, logical stuff cut like this. You know, who knows if it matters since it's on his head anyway. Um, <clears throat> I know it's not till later uh, when it's kind of explained, but since Lou bites it here, you know, can we talk about how his name is the absolute worst name I've ever seen? read or heard on screen probably louisiana (laughs) seriously come come the fuck louisiana Louisiana, that's what i said that's that's the tommy the machine gun or mason the line dixon from the rocky franchise kind of cheesy now come on man gold i thought i was like are you serious buddy that
4: buddy that is wwe from 1994
3: louisiana (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) Abe Knuckleball Schwartz is jealous of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Duke the Dumpster Drose. Okay, sorry,
3: go ahead. Uh, Alright, so I love showing, you know, each of them with their, I mean, I, I don't want to call them vices. I think that's not the right word, but letting you know they all kind of have some secrets, and I'm excited at this point to see the explanation of the movie. I mean, my problem with the reveal is that it's just not what I wanted to see. Maybe I think that's what it is. I don't know. We'll talk about that more when we get there, but Another great group of scenes, in my opinion. What stands out the most up to this point, and I know we've said it, but the fucking acting performances are insane. Like, on everyone. Clay Duvall having almost mental breakdown in the bathroom. Who knew she had that kind of acting chops? Like, it's just, I think it's phenomenal performances. Again, I know that gets, you know, thrown around a lot, but but Jesus Christ, like, it stood out to me in this movie. I mean, we're halfway, uh, we're halfway through this movie, um, and at this point, I would give this movie a 9 or a 10 right now. Like, just, you know, waiting on, as it turns out, not so solid ground for the rest of the movie, but anyway.
4: Yeah, I will say, I like this set of scenes, but I feel like it drags a little bit here, like maybe not as much happens as I was wanting to, like I feel like we get so much in that opening set, and then we kind of get here, and you know, we're kind of walking around, we're investigating stuff, now obviously we get some, you know, a death, but I mean, it's just, I, I kind of wish there was more here to kind of latch onto, but, you mentioned Clay Duvall's scene where she's on the other side of that door is fantastic. I mean, it is just a gut rent Like those two going back and forth, I really just think it's great acting, all in all. Um, you know, like you said, that they're, and again, it's all explained away. Oh, it's all in his head. It's kind of like those cartoon conspiracy theories, like the whole show of Family Guys in Peter's head after a family accident or whatever the hell. That one, it, like, it's kind of like, oh, it doesn't matter. It can be explained away because it's all in his head. There's some leaves of logic here with him, like, just, like, walking around this deserted motel in a rainstorm, looking for stuff, investigating stuff. Like, it just kind of bugged me just a little bit. Uh, I can only – I'm not the lo- – like, I'm not as much of the logic police as some of my other brothers and co-hosts on this show. I, I tend to be a little more forgiving. But even here, I'm like, mm, okay. There, there, there's just a few things. But I will say – in this set of scenes, a few things stand out. And to me, it's the acting, which Brian mentioned. I think Ray great as Rhodes, especially when we find out, like once we find out what Rhodes is, his acting leading up to that, I think is really, really just A+. Um, and I think, look, I think George York, which is, by the way, that's another name that's just not a, I don't know, it's weird. Uh, all the names here are weird, which should be a dead giveaway. But love that character because he just plays, uh, Kinley plays it so straight. Like it it just seems like a real dad with a real son that just probably really just got ran over. And I do like the effects on the sewing up there. I like all of that. Like, I think like there's some good effects here. And again, I love that the rain is such a major part of this film, but I don't have a ton of notes on this section just because I kind of feel like we're I'm not like Brian, but he said something that I, I agree with. Like I kind of want, all right, I want to get into what's actually happening here because now we're, We're still a bunch of loose ends that aren't tied up yet, at least not to my satisfaction where I can kind of start to piece things on the puzzle board here. So I think this is a good set of scenes, but I'm kind of ready for a little bit more
2: when I'm done watching it. So this set of scenes offers my favorite line of the entire movie. Uh, When Paris is out by the vending machine and Rhodes is walking up and they get a little chatty there, Uh, Rhodes says, (laughs) Paris, huh? Never been. And then she says, well, you ain't going tonight. Dude, I laughed (laughs) so hard. That's a great line. But it also dispels, like, dispels any notion that she might be a whore. Like, that bothered me even more because, God almighty, like, Larry drives that hard um, for for the rest of the movie, calling her a whore and all this stuff. And she just shut that down. So, whatever. Um, I, I thought it was a very nice touch to show the blood stain on the back of Rhodes' shirt as he's putting on his jacket. Like, that was very well done, um, given what we find out later in the movie. And this set of scenes, more than anything, does a great job of building tension through the atmosphere. The rain, the lack of score, the lighting used everywhere, it was all just fantastic, great, well done. Um, now, Ed was a little too calm about finding a head in the dryer. I mean, I don't think that that's what Al Snow was talking about when he asked what everybody wanted. Like, not that kind. Like, he just found a head in the in dryer and was just way too calm. And then Rhodes and Larry walk up on him. Larry freaked out a little bit, but still, the three of them collectively were just way too calm about, number one, finding a head in a dryer. But then also, they didn't even question Ed. Like, who's to say Ed didn't put that head in the dryer? They just walked up like, huh. It's a, it's a hit. So bothered, bothered me there. Um, Rhodes going in to grab the evidence barehanded and having to be corrected. I thought that was a nice touch too, to show us his twist to show us that he's not really a cop. Um, Ed had to be like, Hey, no, use this to grab it. Um, so that was, that was nice. And then here we go. More horror talk, Called her a hoe, called her a slut. And again, I ask, what has she done to warrant this? It just feels like forced dialogue to paint a narrative of her that they could have done through storytelling instead. Um, now, man, I just do not care one single bit about Jenny and Lou. That's fair. Jenny is just annoying as shit to me. Um, like they, they just seem like that. Every couple from a small town in Tennessee that got married on a whim. Like you just, you don't want to be in a waffle house with them, man. They're going to annoy the fuck out of you. So, yeah. and that's, that's what they did to me. Like they just, I was annoyed by them, especially now I, she did a great job of selling, um, the believability of when she's in the bathroom there and, and having the meltdown and everything, but my God, that got that was annoying to me. And then, um, when he's banging on the door saying, open up, open up, open up. And then it stops. When she opened the door, buddy, that blood looked awful. That, that blood was way too red. Um, had an issue with that. That's like the only thing in the movie to me that effects wise that I had an issue with. Like for some reason, the red on the walls, the lighting on it just made it look like acrylic paint. But yeah, I see that. Um, That's fair. Overall, I mean, yeah, not, not a. I'm with you, Mike. I'm ready for something else to happen. Like, what are we doing here? Let's get. We got, we got some deaths going on here, but I need more. These two are definitely from Polk County. I'm. T- <laughs>
4: Because she, she, she's, she is, you know, sh- she's being name called a certain thing, and and she's from Frostproof, and that guy that's being a dumbass about it is from Mulberry, and funny, those are the two of the smallest towns in Polk County. So, go Polk.
1: <laughs> Shout out to Lake
4: Wales, baby. That's what I'm talking about.
1: All right, Jenny breaks down crying as we see Robert trying to escape. He breaks into a house, looks out the window, and sees the motel sign. He turns around and Rhodes punches him. They tie him up and Ed asks Paris to go back to the room please. Larry says he doesn't feel comfortable on guard duty. Alice awakes and calls her son's name. George sits besides, beside her and she says she doesn't remember anything. He gets her some aspirin as Paris tells Jenny she's got to get something from her room. Larry closes the freezer and tries to find something to lock it. Robert asks what's in the freezer. What's in there? I'm good at keeping secrets. Paris goes to leave the room and walks into Ed. He asks her what's she doing, and she says he's not a cop anymore and calls him a complicated guy. She asks where he was a cop at as he takes pictures. Los Angeles, but, but I'm on medical leave. He tells a story of a Mexican woman committing suicide. He hesitated and couldn't think of an optimistic thing, so she jumped. Ed now finds a room number nine key in Lou's hands. He yells out for Rhodes and shows him the key. Paris asks if, if this is some countdown. He calls for Larry to come over and what's he doing? They go back inside and see Robert has been killed. Baseball bat shoved down his throat. Larry says he didn't do it. Ed and Rose continue to yell at him and question him. Larry drops a box and Ed finds a Gucci wallet. He backs up and grabs Paris and puts a knife to her throat. She elbows him and they back into the freezer and she grabs the handle and a dead body falls out. Larry runs away and into an SUV. He drives it to escape and runs into George killing him as he goes to save Timmy. Back to the round table as the defense attorney pitches the insanity case. He shows Malcolm's diary of entries before the murders. Dr. Malik explains dissociative identity disorder. The bailiff tells the judge the criminal is here. Ed ties Larry up to the chair. Larry tells his real story. He found the guy from the freezer dead in the lobby. Larry now says he impersonated as the manager. Maybe I was wrong, but I was broke. He wasn't trying to hide him, just preserve him for his family. Rhodes ain't buying it. Paris says the story is so unbelievable. It might be true. Jenny says it might be the burial ground. Rhodes says give me a break. Rhodes says the plan is we stay here in the room and if Larry moves, I shoot him. And if anything is out there, I'm going to shoot them. Later on, we see Timmy get out of bed and goes to his mother. Jenny now brings up a movie about 10 strangers on an island who had something connecting them. They now begin to all question each other. Larry and Paris are from the same county in Florida. Paris bought a bunch of land in Florida for orange farming. Rhodes finds Alice dead in the bed and calls for Ed. Timmy walks in and begins to cry. Rhodes finds a room key under her. Ed says it doesn't make sense. She died from an accident. Paris asks, where's seven? They back the truck up from George's dead body and find key number seven with his body. Larry says, I told you it wasn't me and begs to be untied. Ed tells Paris and Jenny to get the kid and leave in the car. We'll see you when the storm breaks. Rhodes tries to stop them and suddenly the car explodes. Rhodes grabs a fire extinguisher and puts out the flaming car. Nobody in there. Ed says something should be left. Rhodes accuses Ed of doing this. You happy? Our Brian's next set of scenes, uh, what'd you think? And the next set is the ending.
3: Okay, so another logical question I had. Why is Jake Busey trying to escape when Rhodes is in on this whole thing? Like, that to me, it didn't make any sense. Like, I don't know. Um... Regardless, though, this is where uh, I don't want to say supernatural because we found out that it's not supernatural, obviously, later. But at this point, I start to think that it's supernatural stuff, you know, that kind of starts coming into play with him, like with Jake Busey ending up right back at the hotel when he runs away and the you know, Indian burial ground explanation, the, the disappearing bodies, things, you know, kind of starting to creep in here that at this point, I think that it's supernatural. Um, the movie starts to lose me a little bit because I really wasn't in on the supernatural thing. Like I'm sold on a whodunit right now at this point, and And that's what I wanted. Um, I will say some positives, great kill on George being hit by the fucking truck. I thought that looked fantastic. Also great effects on Robert's death with, with that baseball bat. Uh, there was a story I read from, from behind the scenes about this dummy corpse that Nicotera's crew created. Um, one of the studio execs apparently asked to keep it and stored it in his office closet. Apparently, a member of his cleaning crew stumbled upon it, and it was a, a huge deal. I thought that was p- pretty funny. funny to imagine that happening. Uh, anyway, great-looking prop, though. Uh, Dustin mentioned that last set of scenes was his favorite dialogue. I think this is my favorite piece of dialogue in this movie. Leota gives it here when he just says, I'm going to shoot him. Someone comes in here, I'm going to shoot them, too. You try anything, <laughs> I'm going to shoot you. I don't know. It was just, I loved it. Leota is just fantastic anyway. But I think that monologue there kind of gave me a lot of, you know, his Goodfellas, Henry Hill vibes. And I don't know. I thought it was really great. Um, Lastly, another little fun fact I found that was I thought was pretty interesting that's relevant to this group of scenes anyway. The odds of all 10 characters having the same birthday are approximately one in just over 115 sextillion. So that's a real number. Go ahead well it's all in his head pal so it's explained so
4: well (laughs) just messing with you although that is what they will say so all right um well it makes sense they all the same birthday because they're all him um but okay i'm with you here this movie loses me just a smidge in this set of scenes not completely because again i'm going in with the knowledge of already knowing the ending but if you're watching it for the first time they start to play on these supernatural elements because, like, people start disappearing after they're killed. And uh, I don't like that. Like, I think, you know, they start mentioning this ancient burial ground that's in the brochure and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, don't go this route. Like, this has been such a good little mm-hmm. who done it, And it's such a well-acted whodunit. I really want to know who the fuck is killing people. And so... And I think they did a good job of making everyone at least a sensible suspect um, that would any of the, whoever it is would be a true villain just because of the people that have died. So they did a really good job setting it up. And once they introduced and kind of muddied the waters, I'm kind of like, oh, man, like that kind of sucks. But you get some really good stuff here, though. The, 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 you know, you mentioned the dialogue. Getting to know the characters better in this set of scenes, I thought really worked. Like I even liked the uh, the whole... Them trying to figure it all out when they find out everybody's birthday is the same, and that you got two characters from Polk County. Shout out to Frostproof and Mulberry, which I already mentioned, but Lake Wells is far superior. Um, but I, that that was, by the way, side so note. That was kind of cool to see in a motion picture. Like I think we've, I think we've been in like two others as far as by name. Now we've had some filming locations around us, but like nothing by name. That was pretty cool to see. Uh, but the fact that two characters are from there. Uh, you know, Louisiana, like all that stuff. Like as they're starting to try to piece some of that together, I think it's really good character work as far as learning who they are, getting everyone talking to each other. And you're really not. Sh- this is a set of scenes where you're just not really sure what Rhodes is. It's going back and forth with, you know, you kind of don't know if you like, see, I, at this point, I still don't know if I like anyone in particular, just because Cusack has tried to take, Control of this whole thing, and you're kind of like, hmm. Which I already mentioned earlier. You're kind of like, it's a little too positive, a little too nice here. Then I mean, your Roach is a serious cop, and but he had he, you know, Ray really Leota kind of plays him with this this like look that I don't think is very trustworthy to me. Um, and you know, so, so, so you get some very suspect looking people here. Uh, really cool kill here with the baseball bat down the throat. I think that's a good look. Um, a lot of the kills look good. Uh, so it was when we get to favorite kill, it's going to be really hard to kind of know which one I like the most because I thought the effects looked really good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the character of Larry is hilarious to me. Uh, I know he's not trying to be, but I can't help it. Uh, John Hawks, who Dustin mentioned, uh, does a really good job. You know who he looks like? Like a little bit more of a handsome DJ Qualls or Squalls? Squalls. Squalls, sorry. Squ- no, Qualls, Squalls, right? Like, yeah, from the new guy. Who's the bitch now? You know what's funny yeah. is
2: I've i always thought that he looks like a mix between uh, DJ Qualls and, like, uh, strung out Ethan Hawke.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he really does look like a mix nice. between the two. I was about to say, it's just funny that his last name's Hawks. And I was like, well, you, you, you know, you remove a letter, long loss. You know, maybe, you know, Ethan Hawke and DJ Qualls' mom kind of, you know, played smush-mush. I don't know. Anyway, but – I like the set of scenes. I don't think Ethan Hawke is old old enough for
3: that. that. What? The plural of hawk is hawks. So it just makes sense.
4: Just here. Here's you're actually two of my seed. All right. Anyway,
3: I'm done. But
4: no, what I really wanted to say, I really wanted to say was I enjoy this set of scenes from an acting and even some of the writing standpoint. But I don't like this inclusion of muddying the waters and not. Now it's not real to me. And I know it's – look, the good – there's some good and bad to knowing that it's all in his head. I feel like this is where the bad comes because it is a good – it's a well-written whodunit up to this point. I, I think they kind of ruined that a little bit. Pops the air out of the balloon.
2: Just a smidge. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that bothered me – surprise i had and took issue with something that happened but robert asking larry what's in the fridge like that didn't make sense to me like we had no reason to be suspicious of the fridge at this point exactly and robert definitely didn't like if we didn't as the audience then robert definitely didn't so um their little argument did give us motive for believing larry killed robert so that was good but you could have used something other than the fridge or the freezer to be the thing that stoked that fire um another thing that bothered me was ed when he squatted down taking pictures he took like four pictures from the exact same angle and exact same spot before he noticed the key in his hand like he didn't move at all he just took like he squatted down talking so i guess we're supposed to ignore the fact that he's taking pictures and he didn't move he just like oh hey there's key um and man baseball bat down the throat that's a hell of a way to go like fuck that man kill me another way i would rather not, if if i only had two choices either that or you know running oncoming traffic i'm picking that um and then here we go i didn't want i didn't hurt anyone but i don't like cheap fucking horse <sighs> man you're beating a dead horse here like just okay we get it you think she's a whore you've established that she apparently is a whore just easy with the dialogue it's just annoying at this point also, he sounds like he says the word horse instead of whores when he says it. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the general manager of my favorite bar Knoxville Roosters, he calls them whores. Where are the whores at? That's what he always asks me. But um, anyway, shout out to Wes. Um, and then, you know, when we do see the body fall out of the freezer, okay, that's, that's a good touch. Like this is good uh, story development because this makes Larry look more and more like our killer, and, and it it plants some some seed of, of suspicion in our minds, and I like that. Um, now then we we flash to Doctor Malik and he's talking, and they interrupt to say he's here, and then it's not it, or it's not um, Robert that's rolled into the room. It's like oh shit, okay, it's like that's a good swerve like it's it ends up being Malcolm Rivers but like I said earlier they did a good job of introducing Rhodes when they did because it kind of plants the thought that okay this guy Robert he's the killer that's being transported and then boom Malcolm Rivers so I really like the way that was done and then man here's when Jenny's just on my last nerve like when they've got Larry tied up and talking about the murders and stuff everybody's dead and then she's just yelling stop it he can't take anymore." Like you're in a motel you can move to the next door room or tell them to go next door like if you really care that much about sheltering this kid from hearing all this like take it somewhere else lady and then she gives us that bullshit Indian burial ground like give me a break give me a break like you you can't force this supernatural possibility down my throat here um like the baseball bat I guess but I just She's on my last nerve. Her whole storyline's on my last nerve. And then um, I do like the keychain being next to Alice, and then they go out and find one next to George. Like that's awesome because then it's like, oh wait, what the hell's going on? Like no one killed Alice, or no one—definitely no one killed George, right? Like he was—he ran out in front of a truck and got hit. And so I like that. That's the kind of uh, confusion and doubt that you need to be planting in a whodunit or a. a Mystery thriller. So it's a mixed bag on this set of scenes, to be honest.
1: All right, guys. Here's the ending. Rose now sees George's body is missing. Robert's body is missing, and so is Lou. And so is Lou's. Caroline's head is missing, and now Alice's body is gone. Perez yells out, "I give up! What the hell do you want, you sick bastard? I want to go home and grow oranges." They all realize their birthday is on the tenth. What are the odds? Lightning strikes and a power line goes down. Ed realizes all their names are of cities or states. When I was going up the stairs, I met a man. Ed looks around and is now at the round table. Doctor Malick talks to him, and the others at the table are confused by what's going on. Ed tells a story of driving the actress, and they got they got stuck at the motel. Bodies kept disappearing. Malick shows Ed a picture of Malcolm Rivers and asks if he recognizes him. He says no. A detective shows him crime scene photos. Malick tells Ed about multiple personality disorder and tells him Edward is one of his personalities. He hands Ed a mirror and sees Malcolm's reflection. Ed begins to snap and asks why is he tied up. Malik asks him to calm down and he says none of the people at the motel are real. All the people named after a state, all the same birthday. Malik says he's lost some of the the personalities, and in 19 hours Malcolm will be put to death unless I can prove to that man the killer's personality is gone. The killer cannot survive. Back to Ed at the motel as Rhodes and Larry check out the breakers. Paris looks through Rhodes' car and sees the radio is missing and that Rhodes is actually a criminal as well. Flashback to Rhodes killing the cop escorting he and Robert. Paris finds a dead cop in the trunk. Paris calls for Larry and she runs to find Ed now. Rhodes grabs her and asks where's the key to the truck and Larry bashes him with a fire hydrant. He tries to grab the gun from Rhodes but he guns him down. He chases after Paris shooting at her. Paris hides and runs into Ed. He tells her to stay here. Ed and Rose confront each other. Give me the keys to the truck. The two open fire on each other. Rose and Ed both fall over. Paris runs to Ed saying, we're going to get him to a hospital. She tries to help him up, but he's dying and, can't, and he can't help her. She asks for him to tell her what he saw. He says, I saw you in an orange grove. Back to Malcolm who tears up. We see Paris drive away in the truck. Malcolm says his body committed the murders, but his mind didn't. We see Malcolm being transported and he was not to be executed. We're in an orange grove now with Paris. She's checking clothes on the line and walks to a tree. She digs in the dirt and finds a room number one key and looks up and Timmy is there. Malcolm begins to twitch in the back seat. We now see Timmy was the killer at the motel. Malik opens the divider and Malcolm says whores don't get a second chance as he strangles Malik. Timmy kills Paris as we see the vehicle swerve and stop on the side of the road. I wish he'd go away, the voice says, and end credits roll. Brian, what'd you think about the ending?
3: <laughs> Damn it. Um, I don't know. When uh a little fun fact right off the bat though, when Ed shoots Rhodes at the end of the you know, at the end of the movie here, you see Rhodes mouth the words, I didn't do this, and Ed replies, I know. Neither of those lines are audible because they were muted. Apparently Mangold felt that it would make it less obvious that Rhodes was, you know, not the killer, thus making the true reveal less surprising. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think I would have got that anyway. You know, I think I think my problem is that and it's and it's taken me doing this review I think to really work this out in my own head, but I think it's because I didn't see this movie when it came out. I think that if I had seen it when it was released, it would have been probably mind-blowing to me. You know, I was 2 years out of high school. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of movies like like I kind of said doing our American Psycho review. You know, it's like like there's just been so much that came after, you know, Fight Club and around that time period with so many twists. And, you know, we've had Shutter Island, like we've been mentioned before, and Memento and Inception and just so many other things, you know, I've seen before this movie that I guess I was just less impressed. And so when I watched this, it, it just wasn't. What I wanted to see happen, I guess it's it's not this movie's fault. So I guess I guess as far as ending goes, it just didn't hit that certain way for me, and I think that's pretty much the reason. You know, if I even if I think it ended up not being Timmy as the killer, or or maybe had Ray Liotta's twist reveal like he was the one doing it without the supernatural stuff and without it really being in Malcolm's head, I think I would have liked this much better. Like again, it was almost like to me that it came across like it was trying to do too much for me anyway. So hope that made some sense. That's that's all I have.
4: Well, I will give you a little bit of a pass here because I think it is a little confusing, <laughs> to be honest. At least You know, until the very, very end, I think it's a little confusing as you start to get these reveals. So it, it made sense what you said, at least in my opinion. But look. All the stuff with Rhodes, I could kind of start to see coming, but how it unfolded once Paris finds his, you know, his identity there in the car, you know, I didn't see. So I thought it was done really, or that part was done really well. Like, I really like that we have that reveal, and I would have been really on board with just that little simple who done it. it's Rhodes, we know that now, we got to put a stop to him, he's a crazy person, for lack of a better term. Um, but we don't get that. <laughs> we get, you know, everything's in Malcolm's head. And I will say I love this dialogue of the scene where they're sitting around the table trying to convince the judge of, of there's different people inside this man. And I love, like, I, I love it. John Cusack's there laying on the ground uh, and it's raining after he shot, you know, him and, you know, the standoff between him and Rhodes. I love that back and forth of his face and Malcolm's face. And his face, and like just like him not recognizing who he is in the mirror and, and all of that stuff. I think that stuff is done really, really well. But it does lessen the fact of my story or the story that I've invested in, which is who's committing these murders. I think the solution that we get, while good, it has been done better. And I think that movie does, this movie suffers from other movies that have done it better. Um, this kind of twist it's it's all in his head it's different personalities like but I think it does do a good job of like explaining you know explaining away and his his uh his execution getting stayed and I like all of that and i would have been i would have even been on board by the way with a happy ending like for once normally I'm not for that like I kind of like uh, a movie that kind of flicks us off and says nope you're not getting your happy ending, but here I felt like letting Malcolm just be kind of, you know, happy minded and right off into the sunset would have been fine. But we don't get that, and we get what is supposed to look like Frostproof, Florida, with Paris. And I gotta tell y'all something. I know they showed an outside picture of an orange grove, but when she's riding in that car, those are apple trees. I'm not fooled. I know what an orange grove looks like. I grew. I was raised by them. I grew up in the orange groves. Those weren't orange groves. Those were apple trees. Just saying. Now, the exterior shots they get are orange growth, But when she's riding in that car, I know an apple tree when I see it. Can't fucking fool me. know my Polk County. But anyway, uh, I'm from the sticks, pal. But I wouldn't have hated this reveal with Timmy had I saw it coming and they set it up a little better. But they kind of s- explain it all the way at the end, and I don't like that. Like, I needed something along the way to kind of make me go, oh, is it the kid? Can't be the kid, right? It ends up being the kid. Like I don't I think it's too out of left field for me. But to be fair, they did leave him alive with Paris. So I guess we should have at least tried to remember. But I guess I'm just giving them a little credit. It didn't the the Timmy thing, I didn't hate, but I didn't love it either. I wish it just would have been Rhodes, and we get a happy ending. The killer in his in his head is dead. So all in all, a mixed bag. I, I think there's some good here, but I do think my main issue is just I just wish it was a simple it, man. I really, really do.
2: Yeah, um, so all the dead bodies starting to go missing. Like, that really makes the wheels turn. That's like a light bulb going off moment. Um, I, I thought it was a, a nice touch, a, a well done um, added thing they did there. And then when they find out they all have the same birthday, it kind of makes it easy to guess what's going on because of the tie-ins with Malcolm Rivers and what we heard and saw, you know, in the opening montage and then throughout the movie. And then when it is revealed, I thought that part was really well done. Um, They did a good job of exposing what's going on here. But the reveal of Rhodes' backstory is way too late, man. Way too late. Like, knowing this actor, knowing he's not real, is just kind of pointless to me. Like, I get it. That I guess that was probably another one of his personalities. The cop probably was, given what we read about um, Paris, the guy that she had tied up. Like everyone is connected somehow, I guess. But it's just they should have shown us this, showed us this way earlier in the movie. Um, but in hindsight, it does make that blood spot on the back of his shirt. It's like, ah, oh, that was cool. But um, just this, this last part just drug out way too long for me. Finding out it was a little boy personality that was the killer. Like I thought that was a nice twist at the end there. But something just kind of felt off about the execution of not only the twist but just the movie. In general, knowing what it is like after you've watched it, it kind of like I was enjoying it a lot more until I knew the twist, and the twist was well done. So that's what makes it confusing. That that, that tells me okay, something's off about the execution here. You got to right. you got to you You're put right. them together and it equals four, but it's like how the hell did I get here when I yep. show my work? It doesn't really work, and so yes. that's how I feel about this movie.
4: I agree with you 100. You said you, you you said what I couldn't say. This movie pulls off what it's trying to, but for some reason it just doesn't feel as good. Yeah, for some reason, like I it's can't like, explain what it is. It's
2: like that that meme. Uh, Task failed successfully. It's like <laughs> okay, you succeeded, <laughs> but uh...
4: <laughs> well, like it's kind of like c- cutting open like a big piece of chocolate cake. Like you take a bite and you're like, like that chocolate cake looks really good, and you take a bite and it's like, no, it's not. It's not so bad. Yeah. Like you know, it's still chocolate cake.
1: Trust me. Yeah. Mike, Dustin, I agree with both of you. Uh, it's not This movie's not bad by any means, but it's just like something just doesn't hit. And I can't put my yeah. finger on it, but it just it just doesn't hit for me. But let's jump onto uh, social media real quick. We'll, we'll do Twitter first. Mookie commented, I used to stay up late in middle school and watch this movie all the time. I loved it as a youngin'. Haven't seen it in years. Definitely need to rewatch it, for sure. I should have watched this movie. It was on Netflix and I had to pay for it. Congratulations, I played myself. Uh <laughs> Patrick Jacob, he said, do you know his connections to the screen movies? Uh, He and Brian kind of both had input for this. He said, I should have clarified, it's not the movie itself, but behind the scenes, Kathy Conrad produced both. And Brian said that both had Greg Nicotera involved. Okay. See, I didn't know either, so that's cool. Uh, Sean Irwin tweeted saying, absolutely love this movie. Just watched it again last month. I think the twist holds up well, and it's a fairly fun take on slashers. Okay. Uh the cool tweeted us saying, Great, great movie. Can't wait to hear y'all's opinion. I don't think any of us think it's great, but <laughs> I'm glad you want to hear our <laughs> opinion, brother. <laughs> and Optimus Climb <laughs> that's a funny name. He tweeted us saying twistier than the movie Twister. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <We're> all right. <laughs> twist twistier
2: movie. than a dick at a UFC fight.
3: Give the old
2: dick twist. <laughs>
1: I don't know how that's become a part of our show every week. <laughs> I don't sorry. either, but
2: I love it. My bad.
1: <laughs> no, it's funny. All right. Here for we didn't have anything on Facebook, so I'll jump over to Instagram. Mark underscore Hef commented, great movie, didn't see the twist coming. Amanda, call me sometime. Paris, never been. You ain't going to tonight. Best line in the movie with a laughing I agree. That was a good line. <laughs> All right. Schmoopy commented, I've been on hiatus from the podcast until I started my new job. So excited to start listening in, especially now that I can binge episodes back to back. Hey, you got to love a good binge. You know, I'm here for it. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Shmoopy. Uh Danny C-Nap's comment, I finally got around to seeing this movie a couple months ago. I never imagined, based on the cover art, what it would be about, LOL. But it was fun for a one-time watch. I enjoy this more than 13 Ghosts for sure. Okay. Well, a lot of movies are better than 13 Ghosts, pal. Anyway. <laughs> I see. Okay.
2: I agree with what you just said, Mike. And this movie is better made than Thirteen Ghosts, but man, I enjoyed Thirteen Ghosts way more than this one. Ooh, from okay. an enjoyability well, okay. standpoint.
4: Hey, everyone's different. It's all good, pal. They're close Maybe for
2: me. Shannon
4: Elizabeth. Hey. That's fair. Hey. I like her animated peace hey, both. Come I'm, on now. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs>
1: hey, come on now. All right. Jesse Kraft oh, comment good. absolutely love this movie. So underrated. Saw it in the theaters and was blown away by the ending. I also love John Cusack in this kind of role. He played it perfectly. All the actors were perfect in their roles with the hands-up emoji. I agree. And another movie I'm excited with him in that I, I, we need to do is 1408. That's a pretty good movie as well. From what I remember. Dude, I said it.
2: that when when you were uh, off earlier, I said I was scrolling through IMDb. I was like, man, I forgot all about 1408. I agree. We do need oh, that. I do too.
1: All right. And the last comment we have on Instagram is from uh, Christian Cunningham himself. Thank you guys again for reviewing my pick. It's one of my all-time favorites. I know it's not perfect and has some holes here and there, but I feel the concept made it easy enough to suspend my belief enough to thoroughly enjoy. I hope I created some new fans for this underrated gym, In my opinion, love the pod, guys. Keep it up. Hey, uh, Christian can you, uh, thank you. You're the one who, you know, supported us. We truly appreciate it.
2: Yes, thank you. And so uh, much.
1: you know, it took us forever to get to it, and I just appreciate your patience. And uh, I love that you're a fan of the show. We, re- we appreciate you.
2: Uh, absolutely
1: I don't have any fun facts tonight guys do y'all have any and want to go
3: I've got two
2: go ahead I got Um, one if you don't get it I'll get it
3: all right Uh, Ray Liotta's character uh, was asked where he was heading with his con his reply was Carson City John Cusack was in the movie Con Air which you know where the cons took over a plane in Carson City by the way Con Air is a great movie I love it
2: probably Nick Um, Cage's best movie probably (sighs)
3: I don't know. I love it though. It's great. Um, Q yeah. Sex great on right. that.
2: National Treasure, Wow. Um, anyway, <laughs> grow up. Go ahead,
3: James. Elizabeth James Mangold. Um, this man picked Ernest. Fuck out of here, pal. Kiss <laughs> my fat ass.
4: <laughs> Sorry.
3: Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> Jesus. That's, That's the story fattest story. part of it too. Jesus. Okay. Goddamn. <laughs> um. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> The character played by Jake Busey is homing lines of uh, from this famous song by Johnny Cash. I got stripes, stripes on my shoulders. The next Mangold movie was the Cash biopic, Walk the Line, 2005.
2: Yep, yep. Um, last, the only one I got is that they shot several endings for this movie in order to shroud the real conclusion in secrecy. Um, that's a pretty, pretty good idea, but I think that like the famous line in this movie, this movie is so unbelievable, it just might be true. Like, if you would have told me that this was the ending of the movie, I'd be like, ah, come on, you're pulling my leg. This is a pretty, uh, pretty good twist.
4: Hold on. Hold on.
2: Money, Mike.
4: Okay. Yeah, buddy. All right, so this movie was made for a cool $28 million and gross over $90 million worldwide. So Nice, nice little nice profit there. Hey.
1: Can't be mad at those numbers. All right, guys, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Uh, who wants to kick us off tonight?
4: Okay, I'll man. go first. I feel like let's I never see. go first. I'm going to do it. Here we go. All right. So. Hold oh, on. Sorry. I should have been more prepared. I just jumped right into that shit.
3: My apologies. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mike never knows he has to do the budget every week. <laughs> and then he just volunteered. Well, it's ridiculous. Not yeah.
4: yeah, I know. I know. No. But, but, but I have my budget pulled up, but it's in a different place. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Here I go. My, my actual favorite kill was Rose because he was a piece of shit. I know the kill wasn't cool. I know there's a lot more visually cool kills, but, like, I kind of – Man, I don't know. There's some – there's, I I liked, I like the fact that he's dead uh, because I thought he was a piece of shit the whole time. My least favorite is George York. Oh, he didn't have to die that way. This is getting ran over. Our guy, John C. McGlinley, man, come on. That's bullshit. He's All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't do the eyebrow thing that he does. You know, you know, you know what I'm, I can't do it. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Podcasting is a visual medium anyway. You know how that goes. All right. So everything I've said kind of already summed it up. I think this movie hits where it hits, and then it kind of falls flat in certain places. Uh, This story has been done better, but it doesn't make this a bad film. I think it's a mixed bag. Great acting, great shots that we get from the camera work. Love the setting, so I love this set design. I I love when this movie takes place. I think it's a good story, but I do feel like some of the stuff that takes place inside of his head, all that, Kind of drags the movie down just a little bit. Like I feel like Brian mentioned a couple movies. Hell, we've done on this show where I feel like they just do these certain things a little bit better. But that doesn't take away from the performances. Doesn't take away from, you know, the stuff I do like. So all in all, for a mixed bag, I, I'm going to give this movie a 7. Which I still feel really good about. Like I feel like it's a good movie. It's To me, it's rewatchable. But I feel like a 7, I'm going a little high because I think the acting is so damn good
1: that's fair i'll go next uh favorite kill i'm gonna choose george and it's not because i didn't like the character but at least you got to see the kill Uh, i'm honestly not the biggest fan of a lot of the kills in the movie my least favorite i'm gonna go with jenny you know the car explodes and she ain't there no more but i mean you could pick a lot of these kills honestly as your least favorite uh i hate to cop out but i kind of feel like i've said how i feel about it too don't have strong feelings either way uh, the acting was very good. It's a fun cast. Uh, I don't know. This, the story just doesn't suck me in enough to care about what's going on that much. I can't really explain it much better than that. And I apologize to you, Christian Cunningham, because I know this is one of your favorites. But this movie just doesn't, like, suck me into it to care that much. Like like Secret Windows, another movie, kind of like this, you know, the split personality thing. Like, I'm just invested right off the get-go. I don't know why, but... I just wasn't super invested in the movie, but I thought it was okay, you know. But I gave it a five and a half.
2: Okay, I'll go ahead and go real quick. Um, so as far as favorite kill goes, man, I didn't really love any of them. Um, I, I guess the, uh, the the driver who got stabbed in the back. Least favorite kill, though. I mean, you you can take your pick. I mean, Doctor Malick's was stupid. He had no reason to open the thing just to like he could talk through that. That was a barrier meant to protect him. It didn't, sh- you know, it wasn't soundproof. There was holes in it for God's sake. Um, George's death was stupid. He ran out in front of a car. Robert's death was cool, but we didn't get to see it. Um, just Carolyn, Susan, we never f- saw her body. We just saw a head in a, in a, uh, dryer. It's just all the, all the deaths to me left a lot to be desired. Um, Paris's death was honestly the most infuriating because you're a grown ass woman get up and kick that little kid across the the orange grove but anyway as far as the movie (laughs) goes um as far as the movie goes like i said when i was giving my opening thoughts it's like nico you mentioned secret window which is a fantastic movie as well but the one that my mind kept going back to was shutter island it's like this movie's plot is if you order shutter island's plot on wish.com Um, it's, it's, there's meat there, man, you have potential for a really good story here, but the execution, it's like, uh, it's like, you got a fast break, you can go up for a dunk, but instead you trip at the free throw line and you stumble, but you still somehow end up with two points. It just, it was clunky. It left a lot to be desired, but the cast made up for a lot of that. Like the acting was so good and the, uh, the, the directing was so good that it made up for a lot of it. So I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I'll go as middle of the road as you can go. I gave it a flat five.
3: Okay. Um, My favorite kill, I I don't know. It would have been the mom because of the shock factor, Alice. I don't know. Does that count since she died later? But her getting hit by that fucking car was awesome. So you know what? I'm going with that. Fuck it. Let's do it live. I'm going with Alice. (laughs) Um, Least favorite kill, Lou, Louisiana. Fucking stupid ass name. Plus it was off screen. I didn't like that. Um, yeah, so I didn't talk about the rewatchability. I personally don't think knowing the twist hurts the rewatchability very much. Um, I think that you could still you know, you can still notice other things no matter how many times mm-hmm. you watch it. Plus it's a very quick watch. Um, so like I said, you know, I think my problem, the my biggest problem is that I didn't see this movie when it first came out, which, you know, it's not this movie's fault. Look, it's not you, it's me. Uh, i you know I gave I went back and forth with my score um I actually ended up with a 6.75 um again I agree with what Dustin said every acting cinematography everything is absolutely phenomenal it's just the ending that does it for me like I said it was a nine or a ten up until the last probably group of scenes to me um the our scene breakdown anyway so 6.75
2: all right, so it gives us a composite score of 6.0625. All IMDb right. has it at a 7.3, so we're about a point 1.3 points uh under the 250,000 votes that have rated it on uh IMDb, but we're right. They're wrong. Big facts. Uh <laughs>
4: The fuck oh, do they know anyway? Huh?
1: Yeah, exactly. Any, guys, any final thoughts on uh identity for Edge Shout out the blood donors?
2: I am no, glad... I'm glad... Yeah, I'm
4: glad we no, I'm glad it got picked.
2: Yeah, I am too, because I am not gotta... mad I watched it. So um, oh. and I I've never heard of it until it was picked. So uh thanks for picking it. Thanks for supporting the show. Um hopefully my criticisms made sense to you.
1: Yeah, again, Christian, thank you so much for uh being a blood donor. We truly appreciate it. Uh, thank you to all of our blood donors. Our camper level reoccurring are Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Merza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, The Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, and Brian Samek. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> I hope so. Camp Counselor Reoccurring, Hunter Nelson, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home podcast, Heather Smith, Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia. Adrian Aiello, Jake Hamrick, the Legion Podcast, and Clay Moore, and our final guide donors are Matt Sears, which we still have a film review to do for, and I'll just touch on that real quick. Unfortunately, we planned on doing both of them this week, but you know it's just a really busy time of the year. Unfortunately, we are postponing that until December. But Matt, we will knock out Constantine next month. Uh, we appreciate your patience, brother. Uh, next month, or next week, we'll be kicking off our my theme month. I chose uh, a theme called Overdue Month where we're all picking a movie we think is overdue for a review, like one that we've had on our list or one we just think is just <laughs> it's time to do it. And uh, Brian gets the first pick, and he truly loves this movie he's picking. What, so, what is it, brother?
3: It's a.k.a. fuck old Brian month. That's the way I thought about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have blame Dustin. No. Uh, I, are you I, only I pet Cemetery? Bull, I got
4: bullied into my pick, pal. It's not my fault.
3: I've actually never seen Pet Cemetery.
1: What? what? don't ever, don't do you have, hate the eighties. Don't ever you, talk to me again.
2: You hate the you. eighties, <laughs> Brian? You have lost your privileges to give Nico shit about movies he hasn't seen.
3: <laughs> I that's have true. actually never you, seen
2: that's it. That's like you're gonna sit there owning a fireworks stand and claim you ain't got no whisker do's, whisker don'ts. Like that's the equivalent of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no whistling bungholes. With or without the scooter sticks. Without the scooter sticks.
3: I've seen the remake, but I have never seen the original. Either. What the, the fuck?
4: Christ. All you're, doing, all you're I'm doing
3: flabbergasted. Is, I forgot what we were even talking about. Oh, next this, week. Next this week. This went okay. off the rails bad. <laughs> so well, you can drop a fucking bombshell like racing. that
2: and they expect it not to go off the
3: rails. Well, you asked. I didn't drop it anyway. You asked. I'm clipping. Um, I'm clipping this all that, YouTube. Oh, that do be though. true. Two hundred and fiftieth episode next week. Episode number yeah. two hundred and fifty let's nice. go and we're doing I picked the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre
1: nice nice this is, gonna be, this me, this is a great worry, movie for episode 250 this is a great episode
4: a 10 a fucking 10
1: I don't know about all that but just kidding
4: no it's not a 10, <laughs> not a 10. but it is high it'll be high it'll be high my number will be high
1: it's not better than 03 though anyway <laughs> alright guys uh, <laughs> any final thoughts before we get out of here <laughs> Brian,
2: well, you broke not. my heart a little bit today
3: I kind of feel like that it's not even going to be like worth. I've always felt like that I've, never, oh. I've always been like, eh, I don't want to fucking watch it Plus watching the remake and I didn't like it that much I really am just like, oh man, I don't really like Let me the
4: just original. tell you
3: something, Brian Sometimes script. with your
4: opinion,
2: dead is better Alright, let's go It's got Herman fucking Munster in it, man Go ahead
1: I'm not going to lie. I'm excited to hear your thoughts considering you watch the remake first. But anywho, let's end this episode. We hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we appreciate all of our blood donors. Shout out to you again, Christian Cunningham. Uh, thank you for the patience. Sorry it took so long, but hey, we, we appreciate all of our fans, and y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody.